Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. We are here for another week. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, I have something a little different for you, something we've never really done before. Now, granted, I have done episodes with this person before. He's one of my mentors. And we did an episode for his show, which is the Real Deal podcast, Real Deal Real Estate Show with Larry Harbel. Uh, my favorite show, not just because I produce it, because really Larry is a mentor of mine. I attribute to the majority of what I've learned about real estate to Larry and his uh, education and coaching and mentorship of me. So that said, I we were doing an episode for his podcast. I thought I wanted, I know some of you don't subscribe to his podcast. Shame on you if you don't, but I did want to go ahead and publish this episode here on my podcast, Cashflow Guys Podcast, to make sure you didn't miss it. It's very important. And I ask as a favor to me, if you have not already gone to Larry's website and sign up and register for his website, Make sure you do to do that. You go to cat or see. I'm so used to saying cash flow guys. It tripped me up. You go to LarryHarbolt.com forward slash register. That's LarryHarbolt.com forward slash register. Make sure you get signed up. He will give you a copy of his seller negotiating cheat sheet. Ter- teaches you how to negotiate with sellers over the phone. You get access to all of his free and educational materials, videos, podcasts, all the good stuff he puts out. It is my favorite way to learn to earn. I suggest you get yourself over there to get educated right away. So with that, I will go ahead and kick off, and we're going to insert uh, the recorded episode right here. Welcome, everyone. Today I want to do something a little different. I want to shoot from the hip, and I want to talk about something that is uh, disturbing me somewhat. I've asked Tyler Chef to join me on Uh, this podcast, because he's experiencing the same problem that I'm seeing with some students. And it's, uh, it's, to me, it's, it's a problematic. And it's because there are so many students that come and and train with us who say that when they come through the trainings, they understand everything. They've learned so much and they go home and they call me later, and they want to go back to the old method of borrowing money to bank and paying cash. And I, to me, that is, what are they wasting their time and their money for? And Tyler seems to have the same problem. That I do. So thank you for having me, Larry. We'll start out right there. Sure. Thanks for having me back on the show. Uh, yeah, we actually, we had that happen recent, real recent, and it it's a, it's a head shaker. We were having lunch today and talking about it, and and. I don't know how somebody could sit in front of a class, sit in, in your class this weekend, hear four, was it four solid days of experience that comes from making some of these same mistakes. I know that you've, you've learned because you've made mistakes. I've learned because I've made mistakes. And then 
we have that student, you know, you always have that, that guy or that girl sitting in the audience that, like you said, they'll, they'll take in all the information and then they do the exact opposite. Right. It, it absolutely mows my mind. And so ladies and gentlemen, for some clarity, what happened here is we got a guy that is a brand new investor and he's just itching to do his first deal. Anything he can do to do his first deal, he's got to get a deal, just got to get a deal. And I know some of you probably think that maybe have that same way. I know you hear that a lot, Larry, as well. I, I hear it constantly. Yeah. And what scares me is that there are people out there, number one, there are predators out there lurking. It's the equivalent, the real estate industry at the market as it sits right now, in my opinion, correct me if I'm long, wrong, Larry, but I feel is that you're, you're pretty much walking around like a, a bleeding piglet as a buyer in today's market and you know, dragging a pork chop behind your neck because there are lots of people out there that will feed on the fact that you're new, the fact that you have that uh, I got to get a deal mentality, right? And lack of experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They can see that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed look on their face when they walk into the real estate meeting. And uh, we've we had a, a situation recently where somebody got hooked for about five grand for a, a non-refundable deposit. Some wholesaler got a non-refundable deposit. Brand new investor. The guy was just itching to get a deal, and then uh, he got himself a deal. All right, it was <laughs> a bad deal, right? What do you call it? a seminar? Right? Yeah, it's a financial seminar. Exactly. Exactly. So can you give us, help me understand, because I brought this problem to you, not realizing that the same person also reached out to you. What do we as educators, how can we do this? How can we help these people? I don't know. I'm at wit's end as far as what to do with these people. What, where does this come from, this mentality? You've seen this before. Where does this emanate from? Well, I believe, I believe many individuals uh, have the same personality type as, as myself. I'm what I call the emerald personality type. I'm a person that is just lost without facts. I can't make a decision unless I have all of the facts of everything I'm trying to do. I have to know it. And I think a lot of these people have the same thing, the same problem, and they understand a little bit of what they're trying to do, and they're afraid to step out of that. Because for some reason, they have that locked into their brain and they're just not capable of escaping that trap that they're in. Is it to some degree, now you've got several kids. You've got how many kids now? I've forgotten. I have six children. Six kids. That just makes me tired. I want to take a nap every time I hear that. <laughs> six kids. Jeez, I got two. That was enough. But love my daughters. Don't get me wrong. But with six kids, I'm sure you had the one kid that did things to get attention. I almost wonder, does that tie in here at all from you can see? It's like they almost want to fail. Maybe they want the attention. Maybe they feel people will save them. I don't know, but it, it's disheartening. I don't know either, but it it what troubles me the most is they spend money to get education, and then they want to fall back into you know the, the same mentality as when they walked in. And I don't want to fail them. That's my biggest point. I want them to learn. But here again, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. That's absolutely for sure. I, I sometimes, and I was trying to get the logic out of this individual. It's, you know, you, you, you're going to go out and so the market is what the market is. And right now this, this guy was all wanting to do a flip and he's got this terrible deal on a property that's upside down. There's no cash flow. You looked at it. I looked at it. There's just no no winning in this thing, and, and he wants to go ahead and spend that, invest that time to intentionally fail because he feels that he'll get the education that way, which 
I wouldn't disagree. He'll get an education. I mean, what do you, what do you think? Is it, is it worth his time? Well, it, I can understand his thoughts and, and the man himself is brilliant. It's not that he uh, lacks any intelligence. He's brilliant, but he wants to walk through the steps of the deal. Even though he knows it's not a good deal, we've gone over that, but he wants to do, have the experience of going through analyzing it, negotiating it, talking to the seller, presenting an offer that he knows is going to be rejected so that he has the experience of doing that. And I can understand it, but I don't know why he's wasting life on a deal that he knows is a loser when there are so many out there that we could practice on that could be a big winner for him. You know, you were the one of the, the person that turned me on to the secret and it came down to what, you, you know, your your outlook on something. In other words, if you believe something to be true, if you believe something will happen, you'll attract it to you. Right, and right. He, he's going in, and this is what concerns me, he's going in saying, I know I'm going to fail. And he's already said, I'm definitely going to fail. And then he's going to fail. So I, I guess I don't understand where the lesson comes in. Well, he may fail on this deal, knowing going in, he just wants to live the experience of going through the steps. Right, right. The thing is, though, going in, from, starting out from a, a position of I'm going to fail, I, I feel like he's going to skip a lot of the steps that he would be taking if he had a feeling that he might succeed. Yeah, I, I, I just... I teach not going to banks. I teach, you know, dealing with sellers, trying to get seller financing terms. It's my opinion. Uh, we've only got so many days on this earth. And if you're wasting time, even though it's going to make you feel warm and fuzzy to go through the process, you can do that same process, take a little risk and talk to a seller with a deal you might be able to close and make the money that you need. I just feel for me, it's a waste. Now, believe me, when I started years ago, I understand what he's talking about, but I never made an offer knowing that I was going to fail. I knew I was making offers they were probably going to say no to, but I would then say, well, you won't do this, but what will you do? Right. Don't tell me what you won't do. do tell to. me what you will do. Right. And, uh, you know, so even if I made an offer that I knew they wouldn't probably accept, I had a follow-up. And I worry about some of these students. They haven't been doing it long enough to have memorized the follow-ups. That's why I give them those, those cheat sheets. Right. So that they've got the information in hand. So they can memorize that stuff. They can take it with them. It seems like this particular student, and not just to single this person out, but in general, they, they only take up a certain, take in a certain part of the information. And then they either decide that they, they usually will just decide that they're not going to, they're not going to succeed. They just decide they're going to fail. I mean, now that we've got a lot of your courses online and, and we've opened up your website and digitized things, we can now see the completion rate that people take, whether they take a course or don't take a course and don't finish all the modules. And it seems like they tend to skip to the end. It's like, give me the crib notes. They're not willing to do the work, roll up the sleeves. And I know that's making me sound like I'm okay with him wasting his time going to chase this deal, but I'm not because here's the thing. When somebody like you, Larry, tells me that I don't have a deal and that's enough for me. I mean, if you've, you have probably thousands of more creative ways to do a deal than I do. And when you tell me it's not a deal, 
I immediately know, because my time is limited on this earth, that I'm going to drop it. I'm going to go find something else to look at instead of trying to, it's like trying to pound a piece of meat to make it not so tough. And you pound it to the point it doesn't exist anymore. Right. You know, that, and that's my concern is that he's going to waste his time. You told him, I, I told him, I mean, I, and I'm glad that he, that he asked around. He came to you or came to me first, asked me, I, I went through the deal with him and I asked all the same questions or the, the, you know, that, that I would ask myself if I was doing the deal. Told him, well, if you don't believe me, go talk to Larry. And of course, he went and t- he talk- went and talked to you, which is great. And I like that we can do that with the students, as they get the benefit of both of us. We do have a different approach. I've learned from you, but like you, I've learned from several people, and we- I have a little different take on things than you do. He comes to you, you give him thirty-seven, thirty-eight years of experience, and he still won't accept the fact that he doesn't have a deal. And I, it- well, you know, it's not that we're trying to to uh, beat this person up. I truly like this person, and I think this person can have a brilliant future. But sometimes you've got to get out of your way, yeah, your own way. You know, I had one student call me one day, and he had a deal where the seller was willing to deed him the house. And I said, that's wonderful. Tell me all about the deal. And so he started talking, and it didn't take long, and I said, you don't want that deal. There was too many things bad about that deal. And he said, no, Larry, you don't understand. He's going to give me the house. I said, you don't want that house if he gives you and pays you. That's not a good deal. He said, you just don't understand. (laughs) And I said, I do understand. I've been there. I've taken that seminar that you're about to take. (laughs) But I said, you do what you want to do because nobody can talk to you. Right. And he went ahead and did the deal. Two months later, he's calling me up, singing the blues, wanting to know how to get out of the deal. So to segue on that, let's talk about the... The other the, the phenomenon that goes along with this is that incredible urge just to get a deal. And I, I get it because I'm going through that. You, We all go through that where you look at a lot of opportunity. And it used to be a couple of years ago, you look at, what, 100 deals, you get one under contract and off to the closing table. Now I think those numbers have doubled. It's been it's been tighter and tighter and tighter. Fortunately, I've got non-performing notes to keep me busy. There's never a shortage on those. But what do you say to the student that has got that itch? Let's say they've got a line of credit or they've got some cash in their pocket and they feel like the time is running out. If they don't get a deal soon, maybe that line of credit will vaporize because we've saw that happen in 07, uh, 08, 06, where banks would issue lanes of credit and gave credit card credit lines and things like that. And then they pulled them back as the market shifted. Now, anybody that was around and an adult during the, that time remembers that. And yes. I think maybe sometimes to some degree people are, pulling the trigger on deals, um, not factoring in the cost of funds, you know, and they're not factoring in a lot of things. Well, yeah, a lot of things. What do you say to that student who's just itching to do a deal so they can move the money? They've got the money. It's burning a hole in their pocket. Can you make it? I mean, can you make a, is it possible to take a, a lousy deal, throw some questionable financing out of it at it and then pull it out later in, in the back end? Is that, does that even make sense? Well, I learned years and years and years ago from one of my mentors, Jimmy Napier. He said that the greatest real estate deal in the world can become the most horrible real estate deal in the world with bad financing. Bad financing. Bad financing. Now, what is bad financing? Financing that makes the deal unaffordable, non-profitable. And I tell people all the time, because most people believe it or not, they come to my class, they still don't believe a seller is going to let them pay them by the month. 
over a time frame. And if they do ask, and a seller tells them, well, I'll do that for 12 months, they will do it not knowing if they'll be able to refinance out of the property. I think it's a lack of belief that people will do that. And I tell everybody, don't get your pronouns turned around. Don't say nobody will do that because you don't know what's happening in their life. What you're really saying is you wouldn't do that. Right. So you think no one else will. Exactly. Well, believe me, you don't know what a, the reason a person is doing something. You may think you know, but I guarantee you'll be wrong 99% of the time. Well, here's a good example. I just sold two apartment buildings of mine, um, and I held the paper. I gave them terms. I wanted a down payment. I wanted a personal guarantee. I didn't necessarily need to run their credit, so to speak. It's an institutional loan but or a, a commercial loan, but we were able to make a deal where everybody wins. They came to me and said, hey, would you be willing to sell terms? On the first one, I offered terms. On the second one, I didn't even have a chance to offer terms, and someone still offered me terms. And I know it makes good sense, right? I get my money, my pile of money that they hand me for these buildings gets to grow over time. And for me, I'm a cash flow guy. I don't, I don't, a check is not going to do me any good. What am I going to do with a couple hundred thousand dollars in cash right now? now I'm not going to go to Tahiti. I'm not going to go buy some overpriced piece or of garbage. put it in the bank at a half a percent interest. Exactly. Right. So it made more sense for me to take terms and let that money grow over time. That just seems logical. Correct. Now, it's a better return than had you put it in the bank. Absolutely, and it's secured by real estate. And we surely don't want to invest in the stock market at this point in time. Oh, no, that would make no sense whatsoever. No. So if I'll do that, and people say, well, you're an experienced seller, Tyler, or you're an experienced investor. Well, it doesn't even matter. I, if I was on day one of investing, that's just good logical sense. So for me, and, and again, Larry, you taught me to say, to explain to folks, sellers, that somebody that's got and you say it in a nice way, of course, but somebody that, that's got the, the financial intelligence to understand the benefits of seller financing or taking payments right. for equities you talk about, if you can effectively communicate that to the seller, if you can explain to the seller the benefits to them of why they should consider taking payments for their equity, they can reduce their, or at least come up with a tax plan, right? because they're only going to get taxed on the money they receive in that year, right? Pay over the years, not in the year of the sale. All of it. Exactly. They they have now they have a they also have a note and a mortgage, so they have something they have something of value that frankly is more valuable in my opinion than cash because cash if you if as you say and as Pete says you take cash you put a hundred thousand dollars on a kitchen table, I think you use the analogy or put in a steel box, is it all going to be there next year? No, it's not. It's gonna the pile's going to shrink. But by taking terms and selling on payments now that pile of money continues to grow right over time and the other thing that we can teach them is if they will take a note and a mortgage from us if they're willing to take a little bit less and they need cash they can sell several of the payments most of the payments they can sell the whole note and mortgage to a note buyer for cash so if they ever get into trouble they can sell that note to get the cash they need they might as well enjoy the tax savings while they can. Absolutely. And enjoy the income stream to give them the lifestyle that they're looking for. Well, and they can trade that note, too, because what I've learned from people like you and Pete and John Schaub and all them is I like to trade if I can trade. So now I have a couple good performing notes, and granted, which is interesting because I buy non-performing notes, but 
I'll have a couple good performing notes. I know the collateral intimately because I'm the one that got it turned around and got them performing in the first place. So the notes have a lot of value to me, and I can trade those for other assets. Right. You know, maybe I want to buy a mobile home park and I don't have a down payment. Well, now I have, I've got, a, you know, $800,000 worth of performing paper I can trade towards a really big down payment on a nice big park. Well, not to confuse anyone listening to this, but I'm right now in the middle of closing on a property that was offered to me because a friend of mine bought the property from another investor. Right. He offered it to me at the $2,000 more than what he paid because that was money out of his Roth. Right. But at a certain payment amount. The reason being he needs that payment amount to pay another note that he has. So we adjusted the payment, which gave us a different length of payback period at that price so that everybody's winning in this. Right. The guy selling it got his money. The guy that bought it is adding some money that's going to add some interest to him. And he's got the money that he needs to pay that second note. May sound a little confusing, but that note is a currency just like cash. And it can be used many times better than cash. Well, it could sound confusing, but let me summarize it with this. One person identified the needs of another person. And knowing that, found another person to help them solve that problem, being you. You happen to need to to want to, you wanted to buy that property. And you used, you and the person you did the deal with used the property and uh, uh, the notes to basically solve a buyer and a seller's problem. And at the end of the day, you got a big fat win-win. Everybody wins. I got a beautiful property, nothing down. Right. So much a month. It worked out to be 20 years. You can't beat that deal. And it's all because we understand how the business works and we use notes to make that. Right. Those are promises to pay. And for you, it's all that you were, you allowed you, it's a property property that you wanted to do some next steps in your business. Right. So you're able to solve that solution as well. So it solved a problem for you as well. Absolutely. And it's, you know, basically it's a four way win, win. Everybody gets what they need. And really that came down to a couple of sheets out of a ream of paper, solve the problem and trust among friends. Right. And trust. And so let's talk about that. It, the, this person being in a big rush, and this is what concerns me. And, and any person that's listening to this, it's in a big rush. They feel they're in a big rush to get a deal to, you know, I got to talk a seller into thinking my way or whatever may be going through your mind. One of my concerns along those lines is, are you even taking the time to build rapport with the seller? If your idea of building rapport with the seller is a 10 minute text message. No, maybe not. that's not it. So no. what do you say? Let's talk about that. What's your advice to them on, on building rapport? Cause I know you invest a great deal of time sometimes in building rapport with a seller long before you even get into making an offer. Right. We, I have spent five hours talking to a seller about everything under the sun before we ever mentioned the property I was there to buy. We talked about everything. Right. And the reason for that is I wanted him to carry the financing. So he had to know who I was, know I was a credible person. I have a family. He has to know me or he won't trust me to allow me to make payments to him. But, you know, I gave the analogy to a student in class uh, once. And I said, do you remember the first time you went on a date with your 
number one person in your life. The minute you met them, you didn't walk up and say, hey, you want to jump in bed? Right. You took your time. You took them out to dinner. You you worked into it slowly. Any good relationship didn't happen instantly. It took time. And when you're talking to a seller, it takes time. Because if they don't like you and they don't trust you, you're not going to do a deal with them unless you pay all cash and they're going to be extremely less flexible doing that deal. Well, to me, the cash is also very final. So let's say that you've got a home equity line, mm-hmm. and, a, and a lot of people, they're just giving away home equity lines. Let's say a, a buyer's a client or, or a student's got a home equity line, which is dangerous, frankly, because an uneducated person with a bunch of money is very dangerous, and that's why we try to get people to finish all the course materials so they understand what to do with the money once they get it. But now they go out, they run out, and they do the deal thinking that they're paying for cash. But the problem is they're not paying really with their cash, and they're not factoring in the cost of those funds. Right. Now, it's been my experience that these HELOCs, uh, home equity lines, they usually are adjustable rate, and they usually have a bunch of fees that go along with them, these home equity lines of credit. So if you can't, if you don't factor that cost in, how how do you make money on a deal? Well, you have to know your numbers. Because it's a it's a, a pure fact. Too many people use what I call seminar numbers. Right. Where you go to a seminar and you come home and, and you've learned that, gee, you buy the property for 150000 you put 30 in it, so you're in it for 180 you sell it for 240 and you say, I made a $60,000 profit. Right. Well, you didn't because you had holding costs during the period while you owned it. You had payments to make taxes, insurance that were accruing. Right. You had lawn care, water, sewer, electric, uh, pool care, association fees. All of that you had to pay while you owned that from the day you bought it till the day you sell it. And people don't factor those holding costs in. Well, and that, and, and people feel that when, if they get the opportunity to borrow the money, and I'm going to use that, I'm going to say that word again, money, that money is the most important part of the deal. They get so caught up on the fact that they have money now. It's as if they feel it's going to slip through their fingers. If they don't spend it now, then they're going to lose it or something. Use or lose. It's kind of like a federal budget, right? Spend, well, spend but, it but all. wait, cash is what they call liquid. Right. Let me give you an example of what liquid is. When it's a 90 degree day. Right. Grab an ice cube, put it in your hand, and stand out in the sun for a while. What happens to that ice cube? Yeah, it runs through your fingers. It melts and runs through your fingers. That's exactly what cash does. So, you know, people that have access to money, I preach it to everybody I teach. If you've got access to money, why would you put it all into one deal when you can divide it up if you can get seller financing terms right, and buy dozens of properties with that same money making down payments. It just doesn't make sense to put it into one deal because when your cash is gone or your availability to borrow and a better deal comes along, you can't take advantage of it. Right. So I would rather, you know, be frugal with my money, put it into multiple deals, control a lot of real estate with the same money. Absolutely. And, and again, along with that, turn that money over. And one of the things that I know that we had both suggested to the student is to if you're going to take that home equity line, number one, allow for the cost of it. We covered that. But more importantly, come up with a plan to recoup that, that capital. So let's say you buy a little house with it and you put out, let's say, 20000 on a little house. How long is it going to take you 
to recoup that $20,000. How much of the cash flow are you going to designate to pay that, that back to the home equity line? And then if the property appreciates, are you going to leverage that property or borrow against it to pay back that home equity line? Because if you're dealing with a, a, an adjustable rate or something like that, these are like going back to what you said, what Jimmy Napier taught you about the great way to ruin an amazing deal is to put bad paper on it or bad debt on it. And there's an example of what, how that happens. So you have to figure in that cost of funds and you have to have a plan that goes past the closing. It's like, okay, now I have this little house. What am I going to do? You know, is it a rental house or whatever? So I think that's all good information. Well, it is. And you got to remember that a dollar is worth more today than it's, it's worth in the future. Uh, a lot of people don't see it that way. That's one of the things that when you are paying a seller over time, a dollar today will buy more groceries than it will in 30 years. Right. So time value of money, you have to understand when you can postpone and pay debt with cheaper dollars, in reality, you're going to end up making more money. And that's a very important lesson to learn. That is a good lesson. That is a good lesson. Okay, well, thanks, Tyler. I appreciate you sharing uh, and joining me on this because this is something we wanted to talk about to everybody. And that's going to about wrap up this episode for this week. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Larry said it's time to wrap it up. I agree. I hope you found value in this, and I hope that you actually, you know, you apply some of it, right? Don't get out there, run out there, and do dumb things. Don't go out there and blow money that's not yours. Think about the cost of funds. Think about where the money's coming from. And always, before you begin, have an exit strategy in place. So that's going to wrap it there. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are not a member of the Facebook group, head on over to cashflowguys.com forward slash group. If you have not signed up for the Cash for the Mailbox Money Mastermind now, I know some of you are going, well, I'll just wait another month or two and sign up. Well, here's the thing that you got to realize. The doors are going to be slamming closed very soon by the time you hear this. It may even be too late. Get yourself over to MailboxMoneyMastermind.com. MailboxMoneyMastermind.com. I will not be doing another mastermind. This will be the very last one. Don't make excuses. Take action. Get yourself over there. Get registered. Get on the phone with me. Let's talk about it and see if it's a good fit with you. Thank you very much, folks. Have a great day. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.